This week's guest is Heather Weidman. We have a fascinating conversation with Heather as we discuss why she has chosen to leave the industry. It's a different perspective on the industry that we haven't covered before on the show. And it's a great discussion on how the overt sexualization of staff and harassment, as well as the misogynistic behavior encountered in the industry, can really take a toll on you. We also discuss how focusing on the importance of your own mental health and self-esteem can really lead you to a much happier place in your life. Enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of the Industry Podcast. My name is Kip. With me is Dan. What's going on? Still awesome. Still fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no complaints there. All is well with me. How about yourself? Things are good, yeah. You know, we're into Christmas party season, which is always a good deal for the service industry. Yeah, well, so. We do have snow on the ground today, so it's a good, mm-hmm. good start. Yeah. Somebody uh, at Sugar Run on Saturday night threw up on their table and then didn't say anything and then just moved to a different table and kept drinking. So that was a, that was one I hadn't seen before. I, I, like 30 years I've been doing this and every, it, it amazes me how often there's something I've never seen before. Like just. Uh, that's a certain act of class. Yeah. Sure was one of our friends? Uh, no, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't actually there when it happened, but yeah. yeah. Uh, it's always, there's always something. Yeah, that's good. Uh, we have a great guest, as always, on the Industry Podcast today. Heather Weidman is going to be joining us in just a second. I wanted to talk about some of the podca- other podcasts we like listen to that are service industry-related. Uh, first of all, if you haven't heard Dan and I's award-winning standout episode on the alcoholic alcoholic holics alcoholaholics alcoholaholics jesus christ i should get it right we were on it um yeah you know i'll put a link in the show notes to their podcast okay yeah as well. that, that podcast is fantastic you should check it out there those women are very very funny mm-hmm. uh, i've listened to several of the episodes now it's always hilarious so you should check that one out especially specifically our episode obviously and we should also check out the bartender atlas podcast if i haven't seen a new episode for a while so i hope they're still doing it josh finley was on the show a long time ago that that show is excellent sean sewell's podcast is called post shift podcast Post Shift podcast he was also a guest on the show you should check that out and i was thinking about uh, send whiskey which is andy whiskey's podcast it's she was also a guest on the show it's also terrific so uh, not just ours. Other people are doing good shit. Oh, I also wanted to mention the Bond Park podcast, which is a local Ooh. Kitchener Waterloo podcast that I'm going to be appearing on not too, in the not too distant future. But lots of great people in the Kitchener Waterloo business community have been on that podcast, and it's awesome. Those guys are great interviewers, and at least one of them really likes pro wrestling. Oh, so you know that's near Marshall and dear Ward. to yeah. <laughs> you know that's near and dear to our heart. So, okay. As always, the best way to support the podcast is to subscribe, rate, and review. It only takes a second, and it helps us out a great deal. Share the podcast with, like, if you get an episode that you thought was cool, uh, send it over to one of your friends. Maybe we get a new subscriber. That would be I mean, ideal. I mean, probably not, but, but maybe. Yeah, you well, never know. Yeah, you subscribe to a double or listenership. Yeah, stranger shit has happened. Also, Zach Hanna, at Zach Hanna Design, for all your graphic arts needs. He does all the artwork for our Instagram page. And finally, if you want to be a guest on the show, if you're in the service industry, you should email us at info at the industry club, or you can DM us directly at the industry podcast on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to talk about? 
I just built myself, but I don't have time for a six-hour episode. A six-hour episode on why your fucking awesome. new, your new, your new uh, Apple TV setup didn't work today? Oh, it's good. <laughs> fucking internet. Getting angry. Getting very angry. I already got that today, so mm-hmm. we don't need to subject yeah. our listeners to it. a lot of it. more first-world problems. Yeah. <laughs> All right, enough's enough. Let's yeah. get our guests in here. Heather Wyman, how are you, Heather? I'm good. Good. Yeah, uh, yeah we're doing all right. As, you know, we're, I'm in the service industry during a pandemic, so it's as well as we can be doing. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, uh, let's just talk briefly about how you got into the industry and what attracted you to doing that in the first place. Let's start there. Um, I went to Australia, and mm. that's where I started it. Um, I heard that it was an easy industry to get into. I had a working holiday visa, but it was also easy to find under the table jobs. So, yeah. so yeah, that's where I started. And the first place I worked at was, it was a lot of backpackers that worked there, but it was a fine dining restaurant. So I oh, started off yeah. in probably the hardest type of serving. So. so like when you jump into something like that, that's like a big learning curve right away. I yeah. mean, I, I always get the feeling that Australian version of fine dining is a little lower. <laughs> that's a terrible thing to say. But it's like, I just, I've been to Australia also and it's like, the southern U.S. for the most part, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know because that's I experienced it. I was quite young; I was like 22, mm-hmm. so I don't think I had gone to a fine dining restaurant at that oh, point, wow, like yeah. in my personal life. So, um, but yeah, I'd say it was pretty casual, and like I said, a lot of backpackers. Mm-hmm. So I think it was sort of yeah, casual, yeah, like casual fine dining. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but we wore like aprons, like. The service, like we had to put the napkins on people's laps and stuff. It was Mm. pretty. So you like kind of did this in reverse almost, like starting at a fine dining spot and then kind of like I first met you when you first started working at Ethel's, which is where I worked for so many years. And that is pretty much the polar opposite of fine dining. So Yeah, (laughs) I kind of, yeah, Ethel's was the last place I worked. So it was like. Yeah, I kind of just wanted something that was super casual that didn't take a lot of effort. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like that's crazy. Like, so when, uh, let's talk about a little bit more about that. But like, when you get thrown to the sort of the wolves like that, like your first job is actually the. It's not hardest is not the right way to say it. I don't know. It's the mo- like, but with a lot of specific steps. The, yeah. Was that overwhelming? Was it also just a great training ground though? Yeah. Like. I think I was really shy before, so starting serving with that, there was, like, so much structure and stuff. So Mm -hmm. I'd say it was good for me because it sort of taught me, like, the just the how to approach the guests, how to talk to them and stuff like that. It kind of helped me just come out of my shell in that way. So That's actually really interesting. I never thought about it that way, but I guess if you're... The level of structure involved in fine dining almost could make it easier for you if you're somebody who's not used to like going and talking to strangers on a regular basis, right? Yeah. Like you kind of know the steps that are laid out for you. Yeah, but I also lied on my resume and said I worked sure. in the service yeah. industry here, yeah. <laughs> so I kind of had to fake it too. Yeah. Like they yeah. were like even setting the table, they would do the cutlery the proper way, and I was like, oh, at home we do it differently. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everything's yeah. back 
backwards in Australia. Yeah, so, right, yeah. so yeah, I really like had to bullshit a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, like, let's be honest. There's not anybody who's been in the service industry for a long period of time who hasn't lied on the resume at least once, oh, or yeah. at least lied during an interview. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> yeah. definitely. Yeah. Uh, okay, so then you come back here and you start working in bars, and at some point you start having a little bit more of a negative experience in the industry, and that's kind of what we really want to focus this show on because we. We spent a lot, like, I love the industry, and most of the guests uh, who come on the show obviously do as well, and I'm not saying you don't, uh, but we, we do spend a lot of time talking about sort of the pros of the industry, but not a lot of time talking about the cons. So what were some of the things that started to sour you or some of your experiences? So, yeah, when I came back here, the first place I worked at, I... I felt like I wasn't being appreciated for the work that I was doing mm -hmm. and like I would take everyone's shifts and I like even the manager she was quite the partier so she would message me at like six in the morning like I know you're still <laughs> up like you have to work for me tomorrow and uh, so I'd go over to her house and get the key and go in and oh, so geez. I think the owner didn't really see how much effort I was putting in and didn't give me the appreciation for that. So that was like, that was pretty hard. Do you want to name that place or would you rather not? Uh, yeah, I'd rather, rather not. not. Okay, yeah. that's fair. We just try and get all the yeah, dirt all the we dirt. can. <laughs> <laughs> it's great for ratings. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that, uh, that, I respect that. Okay, so but that's an interesting point too. Like I do feel like this industry almost... I'm sure there's others out there just because I've really only done one job, maybe two. But the, it's really bad for the being taken advantage of and the squeaky wheel kind of gets the grease sort of mentality. So if you just work your ass off and don't complain, you will get taken advantage of a lot. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. And like... I deal with mental health stuff, so, you know, there's been times where I've been depressed or I've had lots of anxiety, but you just got to put that behind you, mm. put on a happy face and just go with it. So, And that can be hard because you're like, you're not bringing that stuff to the surface and dealing with it. You're just, you know, putting it, shoving it down and down. So, mm. yeah, that was hard. That uh, brings up an interesting point as well, because one thing I discovered through not just like being in the industry for a very long time. Like, I'll just say it this way. So like when I grew up in my 20s, I'm in the industry with somebody was clearly having a mental health issue. People didn't talk about it as openly as they do now. So we were just like, oh, that fucking person's crazy or they're always in a bad mood or like yeah. they're up and down. Like, you know, like all the ways you would talk about it that way. And as I've grown up through the industry and in the position I'm in now, and, and, and in addition through doing this podcast, to be honest with you, it's really opened my eyes to the fact that there are a lot of people with mental health issues in the service industry. And in many ways, it seems like almost the worst job for that. Yeah, I definitely can feed it. And like not, yeah, I mean, with all the partying and stuff, yeah. like my doctor, I would go to him and tell him like, okay, I'm like feeling really low. And he would, first thing he would ask is, are you drinking? Right. So after a couple of times of that happening, I realized, okay, I'm starting to feel it take a break so I would like take a couple of weeks off that probably wasn't sufficient at that time but but that's what I would do I start recognizing that okay this is a trigger like if I've been drinking a lot or consistently yeah it would start to put me in a dark place so 
I'm just trying to get my head around because I just uh, maybe it's, this happens in every industry. Again, I'm not only really worked in this one, but do you think that like people with mental health issues are attracted to the service industry in any way? Because like, it just there does seem to be a large problem with it that's not identified. Yeah, there's probably some like dopamine hits in it because yeah. it is yeah. exciting. Yeah, it, is, yeah. it is rewarding. Like uh-huh. when you get when you get a big tip, you know, right. you're like, whoo, awesome. Like feel it. good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, there are some def- definitely some yeah. like feel good things in the industry. Um, I think it's fun, mm-hmm. and usually like your team, you're pretty close with them. Mm-hmm. Feels like family and like really close friends. Uh, friends. So like, yeah, I think there that can be attracting right Uh, yeah and that interesting you brought up that family idea too because we had when martine was on way back in the day it was one of our first episodes she had mentioned that that notion of like family in the industry is bullshit because it's like you're not a family you just work together it's a dysfunctional family (laughs) yeah but it's also like how often do you like leave a like it's a very transitory job as well right so like you leave a certain bar or restaurant and sometimes you never hang out with those people again. Yeah. Who were your, your your best friends a month right. ago, right? That's true, yeah. Yeah, so it's a, maybe we need to stop talking about it places as being family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like when I worked at the Who there because there's so much, so many people come and go from there. Yeah, the it constant help like, wanted sign. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> It'd be like a few weeks and I'm like, wait, where's that person? And they're like, oh, they quit a while ago. I'm like, <laughs> didn't even realize. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So there's a certain point where you obviously decided that drinking wasn't working for you anymore, so you quit drinking. But there's also a point where you decide that working in the service industry wasn't working for you anymore. Mm-hmm. So can you talk to us a little bit about like what went into those both of those decision-making processes? I obviously I assume, based on what you've already told us about the drinking thing, that seems pretty obvious like mm-hmm. what happened. But like, but as, with regards to the service industry, at what point were you just like, this is fucked, I don't want to do this anymore. I think it was kind of a slow process. I sort of cut down on drinking a bit, and I'd taken a month off for, like, probably almost 10 years every year. Maybe skipped a couple, but that sort of got me, like, analyzing why why I drink and why people drink and sort of realizing habits and stuff. And then I went away to college, so I, I went up to Thunder Bay, and... I don't have a social life up there, so... Nobody does. Yeah, and, like, I was in school, so I was just focusing on school, so... And what um, were you taking in school? Uh, travel and eco-adventure. Oh, oh, cool. Jesus Christ, and that's why you live your life this way. I yeah. love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so I think I had it in me that I was, like, ready to start moving away from from the industry, so I went away to school and then didn't have a social life. And then, so then I I came back for my reading week and Christmas for a couple weeks, and then I was drinking every day when I was home. So I realized like, for me, it was so much my social life and who I was surrounding myself with. And that's what people expected of me because that's who I was for so long. So yeah, then I'd go back to school, not drink again. And kind of just be waking up with a clear head and every day not feeling hungover. And it was great. And then so when I came back, um, I did my second year from home. So could have been very tempted partying and stuff with my friends. But I kind of stayed focused. I would do like two drink minimum. I had a vehicle that I bought to go up for school. So 
I would purposely go drive to the bar so that I had to drive back so right. I couldn't drink too much. It's a so. good little cheat code. Yeah, yeah. So that was good. <laughs> and I did that for New Year's, 2020 New Year's. I drove. I was like, I'll be the DD guys. I have a van. So, so yeah, I had champagne at midnight, but I danced till 3 a.m. and had right. a good time. So it was just like going out, experiencing going out sober was like a good test and yeah, some boundaries had to be set, but, but then, yeah, like working in a restaurant slash bar with alcohol and it being part of the like service experience, you you want to encourage people to drink more, to spend more money so I could make money. So it almost became like hard for me to be pushing that on people because I was analyzing it like, okay, what if they don't actually want to be, maybe they're struggling, right? Mm, and, interesting. And like, I remember having a table at Ethel's and these young guys and four guys and they were like, let's do some shots. And the one guy's like, no, I'm okay. And he's like, don't be a pussy. Right. And I'm like, okay, he is showing signs that he doesn't want another shot. So then I looked him in the eyes and I asked him like, do you want another shot? And he did, like he did say yes. So it was like seeing that like peer pressure kind of thing, it was hard and uh -huh. it was like, but I'm also encouraging it. So mm -hmm. yeah, it was. Cause it's your fucking job. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. So, okay, that's interesting because like, I think we probably all wrestle with it to a certain extent, at least if you are even a tiny bit self-analytical and you have been doing this job for a while, there is, like, you are promoting drinking with people who probably shouldn't be a lot of the time mm -hmm. or people who can't handle it or people who become bad drunks or mm -hmm. whatever it is. But in your case, even more so because you've already gone through that process of deciding yourself that you don't want to drink for the same reasons, mm -hmm. right? So that, like... I, I, I think it's like something that we all kind of struggle with, but at different levels and it probably got super heightened for you. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there's oftentimes where people after work will hang out and have a couple drinks mm -hmm. too. So not just with like customers, but with just the environment as well and mm -hmm. having to, the amount of times that I'd say no, like I'm not having a drink and like just having to stand my ground, I guess with that. And Pour my soda water with lemon and lime, right. and you know, like that was my drink. So, you you, know. uh, so it's been easier for me as I've gotten older. Like my business partner doesn't drink, mm -hmm. but like, like you're talking about people in their late thirties, and mm -hmm. I don't like to give away my age, but how much? Twenty six. Yeah, that's right, twenty six, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But like, it's a little bit easier when you get to that age when someone is like, oh, I've made a decision not to not drink. But at your age, when you're still young and you're in the service industry, did you find that you were losing friends in the industry because you weren't hanging out and partying with them late night? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. and even now, I think, especially with the pandemic, it was, mm -hmm. it was almost easy because I'm like, so, okay, I've been sober about a year and five months now. Okay. So, so yeah, it was during the pandemic. So it was like an easy way to not be tempted because there was no sure. socializing allowed, right? But I think I did just really become a hermit. And like even in the summer when you could go to patios and hang out with people, I was still like, no. You gotta stay home. Yeah. Well, and that's funny. It's, it's interesting you say that because I think there's been a little bit of a lag of people going out to bars in general through the, after the pandemic because people... I was talking to a friend of mine, actually a guest on the previous guest on the show, Johnny 
good times. Uh, and he was saying how like he and his wife, they haven't been out in so long because it's just like, even now that you can go back to bars, they're just like, their fries and salaries so much have been like, instead of what, what should we go out and do tonight? It's like, what's on Netflix? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, like what should we be watching? Yeah. It changed yeah. your routine a little mm-hmm. bit. So probably better for people who don't drink, but not great for the service industry as a whole. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah for sure. Yeah. yeah. Now, the other thing that you mentioned in when you reached out to us about being on the show is that that you had some issues, like you regard yourself as a feminist. So, like, let's talk a little bit about that, because obviously this is an industry that has a long history of not treating women appropriately. So mm-hmm. talk to us a little bit about that. You don't have to you can get it as specific as you want. I'll just leave yeah. that open. But like, what were some of your challenges there? I don't know when it happened or how it happened that as a server you were also sexualized. Like, why, like being pressured to wear skimpy outfits or one place they encouraged us to wear yoga pants for whatever reason. So, yeah, and just like there's a lot of flirting and Mm. like there's expectations of putting yourself out there physically and, you know, emotionally. So, yeah, I think... Did you find it more with guests or more with staff or both? Both. Both, yeah. yeah. I've never had an employer say anything about how I've dressed, but I've heard that, like, a number of times people were told to dress a little. Like, wear a shorter skirt and you'll make more money, you know? It's like, I don't know why serving dinner you need to wear a short skirt or a low-cut top, you know? Like, that's... Like nothing again. I have, you know, nothing against anyone that any sex sex workers or anything like that. Sure. Strip yeah. clubs, nothing at all. It's just why, you know, in the a restaurant especially. Like they, why they, is they, that yeah, necessary? Exactly. If you think about it logically, those two ideas don't even go together. Yeah. Like yeah. Like I, if, if you're really to think about it, like me. Let's say you're at a fine dining restaurant. I'm sitting down to eat a nice meal. I don't like want an ass in my face. Yeah, like, you know what yeah. I mean. Like that's not, like they don't just they just don't go together. Yeah, right? like so. Yeah. I, I like, remember my cousin was visiting from Europe, and he goes, "What the hell is this Hooters?" Uh, we walked in, and he goes, "This is the more like hookers." Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's a family restaurant. Yeah, but that and and I do think like whatever I'm I totally agree with you that like there's I I don't have a stigma about prostitution if people want to do that Mm -hmm. that, that's their right it's their body it's their way of making money but how did this like sort of prostitution style service become an idea an idea in our industry right like why was why is it all like oh I'll make more money if I dress skimpier and flirt yeah and that's the hard thing about making tips is like if you do the thing, you're going to make more money. So then there's like these, you know, ideas or expectations to do that. Mm-hmm. And and when you do and you make the money, then you kind of want to keep doing it, you know? And I think, I think, yeah, it's like a lot of men, men like to gawk at women and, mm-hmm. you know, they'll give the money, they'll, they'll pay or say they're going to and give you the bare minimum. And right. you're like, well, I did all that for nothing. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. And like, how do you feel like as that? Like, you feel yeah. like you prostituted yourself yeah. for no reason, right? Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah. At least prostitutes have a set rate. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, that's not in, in the employee handbook of like, okay, your job, your job description includes flirting and right. being, you know, sexually harassed 
Mm-hmm. And you just got to grin and bear it. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, so how did you specifically deal with that? Like, did you find yourself, uh, and again, if you don't want to answer some of these questions, you mm-hmm. totally don't have to, but like, did you find that you succumbed to it a little bit and you were like dressing in a way that you normally wouldn't because it was working or were you just like straight up from the, from the get go, just like, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I'm a bit of a nonconformist, so I would, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. if someone told me that, I would do the opposite, probably. Right. But like, um, I'm not even saying someone telling you that. I'm just yeah. saying like you know that it works. Like, yeah, I didn't. When I worked at the Hoother, they got these T-shirts that were really low cut, and I'm like. I have large breasts, so I was like, nope, I would wear a tank top underneath, which mm-hmm. would get hot. It was really uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but that's what I did, yeah. Right. Yeah, so I, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. Definitely played around with the flirting and, like, would, yeah. I have a problem with, like, giggling and smiling when I'm uncomfortable. Right. Which can give the total wrong idea. Sure, yeah. So, that's exactly what people think, think. They think that you're flirting, but really you're just uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, so it's like, I don't know, dudes are encouraged by that, and it would just keep going. And, I, like, I was just like, I can't tell you to fuck off because, right. one, either I won't get, I won't make money or I might lose my job. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of a part of a reason why I was wanting to work at Ethel's too. You can you can tell people to fuck, to fuck off. off there. Yeah, yeah. No, and uh, we obviously Glenn's been on the show before. Glenn's the owner of Ethel's, and the one thing they've always been is like you don't have to take shit from customers or yeah. whatever, right? So yeah. uh, I told a lot of people to fuck off, <laughs> and I didn't have to deal with this. The thing is, like, it, it's a very misogynistic industry in that respect because definitely if you're, let's say you're an attractive man who works in the industry, you don't get the same situation, mostly because women are, don't, like it, it will happen every now and then, but women don't tend to be as sexually aggressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you get to this point, like when you're, I'm trying to figure out how to ask this, like if you're, you're, you're getting to the point where, okay, you're feeling like, okay, I sometimes have to flirt because it works and I don't, feel like I want to be in putting myself in that position, but I also don't want to get fired and I want to make money. Like at what point do you say enough's enough, I just got to get the fuck out of here? Yeah, I guess it's like how, just keeping an eye on how you're being treated, right? Mm -hmm. Like if it's going too far, then, which is hard when people are drunk to kind of keep that like managed, but... But I would just become short with people if they're if it's going too far or something. Yeah, I had a guy a couple summers ago at Ethel's. Um, he was paying, and he just something about with the tip, how the tip worked on the debit machine. He like got confused about or something, and I was just like, oh yeah, I always just do the percentage because it's easier than figuring out the amount. And he was like, oh yeah, well that's because women are bad at math. And oh, I was like. Oh. Oh, really? Like, that sounds like a generalization, if I've ever heard one. And then he could tell that he upset me, so he asked for my number. Because <laughs> that was going to make it better? Yeah. <laughs> and he was just very persistent. And, and, uh, and, yeah, another person that was forcing shots on his buddies at 5 p.m. that probably had to go home for dinner with their wives. Right. So just an all-around asshole. And then he came in a couple times and he would he would call the girl sweetie or sweetheart and stuff. And so and one of the girls came to me and said that it was making her uncomfortable. So so he came up to the bar to ask me for some sauce or something. 
and he said sweetheart and I was like don't call us that like and he's like He's like, why not? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, we don't appreciate being called that. He's like, well, I could have called you a bitch. Oh. So, yeah, like, that's the kind of stuff you deal with. Right. And when you stand up for yourself or try and, like, get them to stop, then that's what you deal with. That's what it makes it worse, yeah. Yeah. And instead of them being like, oh, shit, you're right, that wasn't an inappropriate thing for me to say, their reaction is to get aggressive about it and be like, like yeah, and that's, I, the, the drinking has a, something to do with that as well. Oh, like yeah. You're confronting someone who's a little bit drunk yeah. and they're going to get defensive and it's like, well, it's not my fault, it's your fault because you're a bitch. Yeah, well, and yeah. like the expectation that the customer is always right, mm -hmm. too, right? You're like, they're not always right, but... Well, you're telling me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so, and then with that experience then, like I've... I was fired up. I was pretty upset because that was my second shitty interaction with that guy. So I went in and I told the other guys that were working there and they pulled him outside and, or I think he was outside for a smoke or something. They stopped him and told him he's not welcome back. And I'm watching it all go down and like he was fighting back, like verbally trying to get back in. But I was watching it going down and I'm like, why can't I be the one to be telling him that he's not welcome back right. here? Like, why is it the dudes that have oh. to be the one to do that because the guy's not going to respect me if I said that, right? Right, so. he said he's not going to listen. So yeah. it's frustrating. Huh, that's like, interesting. I never yeah. thought about that because, yeah. like, your co-workers are just coming to your defense yeah. thinking they're doing the right thing and a nice thing, and they are. Yeah. But, yeah. like... I did appreciate it in that moment because I was super fired up. <laughs> like, yeah, but it's like yeah. there, there's no reason why you can't do that, yeah. right? Like, yeah. oh, that's interesting, huh? Yeah, so it's always having to go to a a male to mm. deal with these situations, whether it's a bouncer, the owner, a male coworker, you know, it's... Yeah, it's, when you really break it down like that, it's like, you, you're bringing up a lot of good points here, and it's like, I don't even think, like, I do a lot of self-reflection about the industry, and especially since we've been doing the podcast and talking to different people, but like, it, it's misogynistic to like, like a very unique level. Mm -hmm. Like when you talk about something like that, mm -hmm. that's like you're talking about a very specific thing that's like, oh, you don't even think that that's misogynistic, but it 100% is. Yeah. Like because that guy is not going to listen to you. Yeah, definitely. Huh, yeah. interesting. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the staff side of it too. Like how did you find that you... Like the misogyny with coworkers, and obviously I'm not asking you to call anyone out or yeah. a place or anything. But like, if you if you have a story or if you just want to give like a broad overview. Yeah, I think I think I started to get a little more as I was becoming more, like everything was becoming so much more apparent to me. I was becoming more sensitive to sure. it. So I did have a coworker at Ethel's that he would often ask if I needed help. So I was like loading up a tray, with a bunch of glasses, and he asked if I needed help, and I was like. No, man, like I got this, yeah, it's my yeah. table. Like, what, like, you don't think I'm capable? Right, so, right. So yeah, definitely just becoming more sensitive to that. And like, I'm trying to think back, I've worked in so many different places that I'm sure a lot has happened. Did you find anyone like sexualizing you as a coworker? Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a massive problem, right? Because yeah. people think in the industry, and I remember in my 20s, it was like the wild fucking west out there, and that was yeah. a different time period. I'm pretty ancient. But and I, but I don't know, maybe it hasn't gotten that much better. Like, the like that was just, the, the industry was that way, maybe still is, like, where it's like, you know, it's young people, the young attractive people in their 20s working together, and it just becomes very sexualized very quickly. Yeah, and like, you know, late night partying together and whatever happens and then you go to work and then, you know, it might continue or, mm -hmm. you know. But yeah, I've had like, 
when I worked at the Hoover, there was a guy who would pick women up and like, like <laughs> grab their ass and pick them up for whatever reason. And yeah, it was very inappropriate. And I think he, I think he did it to me once. And then after that, I was like, hard no, dude, like yeah. don't touch me. And, and then like after that, I just, I kind of had to push him away still, but like he would try and it was uncomfortable, you know, so. <laughs> Whoa, that's yeah. fucking nuts. And he was a big guy, so it was like it's very probably, intimidating. Probably, yeah, that's, that's the other thing, yeah. right? He yeah. knows he can. That's probably a move yeah. that worked for him, I bet you, one out of ten times, right? Yeah. So that's. Yeah. Jesus. Do you find that happens a lot in your job, too, now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck that. Work with like 95% dudes, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, and yeah, I'm sure you're finding that a lot of legacy greens that happens, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> the old man, <laughs> but but the, but that is sort of to the point, right? Like it's like then you get out of the industry and you realize this is not a normal way to behave. Yeah. People don't behave this way in regular jobs. In fact, most places have like HR departments yeah. where now that is becoming a little bit more prevalent in the service industry. Like some of the big corporations have an HR department, but me as a bar owner. I can't afford to pay, I'm a small independent bar owner, like I can't afford to pay an HR department for, like I just have to assume that. For a consulting HR, then that's no, even I can't more afford expensive. that either, like the yeah. margins are fucking tight, right? Like yeah. so, but that's a problem in the industry, right? Like, and it's it's still kind of wild westy. Yeah, I guess that's on the employers then, like mm -hmm. having those policies and yeah. just talking about it and being that person that the staff can go to if something happens, you know? Like, mm -hmm. you want to be that uh, that owner that people feel safe. Like, mm -hmm. like, I've been sexually harassed and assaulted in my life, like, outside of work. And when I go to work, I want that to be a safe space. And mm -hmm. it hasn't been. So, right. you know, like, it, that makes it hard, so. And so what are, like, some of the things you think we could be doing to improve it? Like, is there a solution to this, or is it just, like, such a fucked up industry that we can't really do anything about yeah, it? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I guess part of me is, like, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm out of it now. I don't need to think about it. I guess, yeah, but... it's just not your fucking problem anymore, right? <laughs> no, but, but, but it's no, also, I... like, like, okay, I'm just going to say this. Like, I've been served by you. You're really good at the job. Like... So it sucks for someone like me who needs more people good at the job to work in the industry and for you to essentially, like, I don't see any other way to say it, but chased out of it, mm -hmm. like, yeah. for your own well-being, mm -hmm. essentially. So, like, and it sucks that, like, that's, I get that, I get that now you're out of it, so you don't have to think about it, but, like, there's got to be something we can do to create a safe spot for like people who are really good at their job to want to stay yeah. male or female right yeah like, for sure yeah well with legacy greens i um put together an inclusivity policy so mostly for customers we discussed it like within the the staff we have a small staff so it's really mm -hmm. easy to just discuss things but but yeah just like having that understanding of like what what goes here and what doesn't go here what mm -hmm. what people can't get away with here and and if that does come up then how are we going to deal with it and having those things planned out like the repercussions of 
you know, assault or sexual harassment in the workplace. Like, it's talked about. You, you're not supposed to do it, but, like, if it does happen, what is the plan? You know? Right. And, and maybe more specifically, what legitimately constitutes sexual harassment, right? Because I think a lot of people just think they're being flirty. Yeah. And that's it, but instead it's harassment, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, yeah the, you know what you should do? I, I'm gonna t- my business partner used to call us the should do's. You know what you should do is uh, I'm gonna tell you how to live your life now. <laughs> is uh, like you have a lot of good things to say about this. Would you ever consider doing like sort of a consulting mm. job for the industry? That could be, be cool. Yeah, because you have like a good story. Like you have personal experience, mm-hmm. and you you've gone through it. You're someone who feels like they don't even want to be in the industry anymore and that's the exact opposite of what we need especially now post-pandemic right so yeah like having that support I think Wes and maybe it was John there were they were had a little thing put together to help people that are dealing with mental health Mm -hmm. in the industry I don't know if that's still going on but uh well those two gentlemen have both been on the show and they they are major purveyors of like trying to help with mental health in the industry. They both have yeah. mental health issues and they're yeah. they have no problem talking about it mm-hmm. and their and like their goal is to open a business that's like the business for people like who have mental health issues but also like like a fair equal workplace where you're not working too many hours and you're not like yeah. you know like I they they've really put a lot of thought into it. So people like that are important in the industry as well. Yeah, for uh, sure. My thing is always and it's, it's just such a fucking weird industry, right? Because it's like one of the ways that you can do this is to eliminate the tip option, right? Mm-hmm. So would you be a supporter of that in the industry where it's like higher wages, less tips? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So the problem with that uh, from the ownership side is that the margins are so tight already. So basically you have to, if you're going to like, like I think that'd be a great place to get to. But I think that if we, if I have to, say, pay all of my employees $25, $30 an hour, which would make them want to do this job with all the things we just talked about, mm-hmm. right, that they have, you have to go through, then all of that pricing gets pushed onto the guest. Yeah. And that's when you run into a, an issue, and I just don't know how to do it. Like, unless, there's, unless everyone agrees to do it at once. Yeah, and like with right now, you're already struggling to bring people in. Like right. now is not going to be an easy time to do that. Yeah, like I think a shift needs to happen. Again, I don't know how to do that, but like when I worked in Australia, I got paid hourly, right. and I would get we got tips, but I think in two weeks I would get maybe a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I got paid between 16 and $18 an hour there. So. And that's a while ago now. So that probably, like, with inflation, you're talking yeah. about more like 25 to 30 now. Yeah, that was, yeah. like, 2008 that right. I was there. So, yeah, it was a long time ago. I think that it would definitely be helpful because you're not, like, you're not putting yourself out there for it to be dangerous for, you know, sexual harassment. You're not putting yourself out there so much that you're it's dangerous to your mental health. You know, you're, like, you're able to set boundaries I guess and in, mm-hmm. in ways that you can now because you're so dependent on tips and you'll do anything for them right <laughs> yeah okay so that's one way we can fix it maybe eventually but I do like the, again the problem is if, we, if only one place does it mm-hmm. then it's going to be very difficult for the guests to understand why they're paying so much more for every bill it's, yeah. it's difficult for to, it's going to be difficult to 
find talent, uh, serving talent that wants to come and work. Like, because basically, like, 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 let's say hypothetically, the maximum you could pay someone would be like thirty dollars an hour and just scrape by, right? Well, you've got people coming from us an area where they were making like three, four hundred dollars a night just in mm-hmm. tips. So you're never yeah. going to be able to. So I guess, I guess the thing is like. We, we want to get to a point where most people care less about the money and more about a safe work spot. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was just thinking because like now working at Legacy Greens, I make less, but I'm happier. Right. It's a more healthy environment. So mm-hmm. I'm willing to take that pay cut. I think that's the biggest reason people keep going back to the service industry is the money. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so, it's really good. So not the biggest reason, like one of the main reasons, but I think if that... If that just wasn't really, there wasn't that pressure, that expectation of like, like trying to make the money too, it's, it's better for your, I don't know, like it's easier to budget. So that sure. is. Yeah. Cause that's the thing, you know, like that's the other thing about the service industry, especially now during the pandemic, like nobody knows when nights are going to be busy anymore. Yeah. At least, you used to be able to at least count on a weekend or whatever, but even then it's not set in stone. Yeah. Like the weather's shitty one right. night, your tips go from 400 to 200. Yeah, especially like, when like you can only have people on the patio or mm-hmm. whatever, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know what the actual solution is. but uh, I know, what it's like... We, we start talking about it, I get depressed. Yeah. <laughs> like, it would be good if it was, like, a slow transition, you know, mm-hmm. if it wasn't so drastic. But, like, even the food costs are going up. So, if, right. you know, food costs are going up and then you take away the tips, it's going to be, yeah, the customers are going to definitely notice the prices going up. Right. And then it comes to the point, too, where it's like we were talking about earlier, like, people staying home now because they're used to it through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's like the other thing that a lot of people did during the pandemic was learn to cook. Right, yeah. so and learn to make cocktails at home. Mm-hmm. Fuck, I was one of those idiots who was teaching how to do it. <laughs> yeah, over, yeah, over yeah like, <laughs> I was like, that was a great pivot. Yeah. Teach my customers how to make them themselves. Yeah, are you sure you want to make a good vodka soda? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is stuck with only drinks where the recipe is on the title. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, but even at Legacy Greens, we've noticed it's been pretty slow. So we're like, are people eating out more? They're not because uh-huh. like we want to encourage people to cook and sure. you know make fresh food and. But yeah, there's it's been pretty slow. So, mm. well, hopefully, I don't know. Like in an ideal world, people are cooking at home and making, and learning to make their own drinks and mm-hmm. buying better wine because of things they've learned during the pandemic. But they're still going to want the social experience of coming out to a bar or restaurant. And we just need to make that overall a safer space for the guests, for the uh, for the servers, like for everyone, right, involved in the industry. Yeah, I think. I think there was just so much, such an expectation of like, I'm going out, I'm getting served. And I think people forgot that it is a treat and that, you know, this isn't, there's so much expectation put on servers in the service industry, but just forgetting that like, we don't have to be here. This is like you going out as a treat. So yeah, yeah, yeah. treat it that way, you know? So maybe, yeah, people will start to treat it that way when they're maybe not going out so much or like Mm -hmm. it's more special, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, what, like the the last thing I would like to ask you before we leave this conversation is super interesting and like much needed. So I'm really appreciate you reaching out to come on the show. Like, what's your feeling overall about the service industry? Are you like, I throw my hands up, fuck this? Or you feel like it's still salvageable? 
like for me, my experience, me working in well, it. Well, I don't or think you're coming industry. back, but yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like you're personally coming back, but I mean yeah. like the industry overall. No, I think it, I think it is. I think people enjoy it. People need it. Like I'm an introvert, but there's people who right. are extroverts that need to socialize. Mm-hmm. And my partner is like definitely like that. So there's those people that need it right. yeah, for sure. And, and I think it is, yeah, it's a great experience to go out and, have a meal, try new food and drinks. Mm. Yeah, like I think I think it's necessary. I think it'll it'll stick, but yes. it might just be different. It just needs yeah. some work. Yeah. 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 Well, maybe like I'm just putting the bug in your ear. You may be a good person to maybe start a little side hustle. Yeah, yeah. So, totally. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on, Heather. We appreciate you reaching out and like this is a super fascinating conversation and much needed, I believe, as well. A little, a little more serious than our normal podcast, but I think that's a good thing. So yeah. thanks so much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah thanks. thanks a ton. Thanks yeah. for having me. All right. Thank you.